Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. I will be your host, your guide on this journey. And what is this journey? This is a weekly radio show on WPRK featuring makers, artists, and professionals who are doing something neat. Consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher and visit toacertaindegree.com where you can also find past shows and information on guests and becoming a guest. That's right. The guests on To a Certain Degree used to be people just like you at some point. Now there's something more. If you or someone you know would like to take this journey from your current larval stage to a beautiful butterfly, hit me up on most social media channels that I'm using. You know, the major ones. I'm not on all of them. I can't. I can't. I just don't have that time. And now on with the show. Good morning, Elvis Costello on WPRK Winter Park Floor, the best in basement radio and the voice of Rollins College. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree, which works on many levels. You might be kind of listening. And also the name of the show is to a certain degree. So that's how I roll every week or every other week. I have a very well every week. I have a very special guest. This week is no exception. Darren McDaniel is here. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Nick. I can't say how many times I wrote down Darren McFadden because I used to play <laughs> fantasy football. So right. it, it was a very different show had that been Darren McFadden. But Darren McDaniel is here, uh, course director at Full Sail. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a nonprofit called Gapways that we'll talk about in a little bit. But first, yes. we need to get to know you a little bit better because I know you a little bit. Okay. But how do we get to know you a little bit better? Of course, we're going to play a game, and uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. You're going to answer, but instead of saying whether you're for something, against something, yes or no, up or down, you're going to say sticks or stones. Sticks if you're for something, stones if you're like, meh, not for me. Why? Sticks are great. Sticks make the strongest houses. I think the three little pigs proved that, if I remember that story correctly. Uh, They make fire. Uh, They make pencils. They poke things that you don't want to touch with your hands. Stones, what good are they? <laughs> Let he who cast the first stone something, 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 right? So stones are bad. You can trip on them. Uh, they're, they're, you can uh, get hit by them. It's clear. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so sticks or stones. All right, are you ready? Sure. Great. Uh, so we're still kind of in it, but back to school. How did you feel about going back to school when you were a kid? Going back to school? Was, was it kidding? sticks or stones? It was sticks. Yeah? Yeah. Did you miss it after a summer off? Um, I just enjoyed school, so okay. it was it was kind of flow, you know. Uh, we'll see what happens and um, who's, you know, getting a lot of the pieces of the puzzle in place of who the teachers are going to be and what people did over the summers and whatnot. Yeah, it was sticks. Oh, so getting back and getting into the social aspect of it. Yeah. Okay, what did you do typically during the summer? Um, well, I, I did a lot of, let's see, we did some travel. I've just been over in the Tampa area. My grandparents had a sailboat that they lived on a lot when I was a kid, and so I'd spend oh, some neat. time over there on the boat and um, fending off the heat and the mosquitoes and... Sharks. And the sun and sharks. and yeah. <laughs> Right. Right. So... Uh, so it doesn't Some sound family like it time. was that fun. It was. It, was, uh, it, it sounded it, like you were mainly just trying some, not to die. A lot of people would have had more fun than than I did. I enjoyed my grandparents, but uh, not so much the 
the heat and the <laughs> sweating and all that other fun. But yeah, so so that um, I enjoy doing. I'd like I'd I'd play Risk as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, but I play as by myself do. often. Okay, so I play all six uh, <laughs> different uh, the colors and and um, change my perspective each time I. Uh, shifted to the next turn and did you have like distinct personalities for each one like no, this one's very aggressive and this one uh is more defensive than anything that sort of thing that i really i should have done that i, yeah. I could have like figured out each each color and okay this is what the the personality the, type the reds are and, you know so no i didn't but okay well that's now, good now that's that probably I, a sign of i think not about that quite go back to it schizophrenia as well <laughs> that's good that's good how do you feel about, you're a big technology guy. Sure. Driverless cars, sticks or stones? Yeah. I'm thinking. That's, yeah, uh, that's uh, right there. Question mark. So let me ask you. I'm right on the. Right in the middle. That. Right there in the middle. Right. Yeah. Uh, straw. I'm, I am nervous <laughs> about them, but I appreciate them. So. So yeah. you wouldn't necessarily jump in one right now if somebody said it'll give you a ride from here to your house or here or wherever you're going next. Yes, I would if it's going under 45 miles an hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it was on I-4 today. I probably would pass that opportunity. but uh, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So maybe it's know. funny because you think driverless cars and you think that highway the driverless trucks the sort of long haul stuff right right um but for the most part until they really do perfect it yeah the slower uh speeds are probably better yeah if it runs into a ditch and i can still walk away you know it's probably worth the risk but there you go elon musk if you're listening and i know you are (laughs) that's your new tagline if it runs into a ditch and you can walk away tesla all right so (laughs) Let's work on our taglines for a little bit. How do you feel about zombies, sticks or stones? Stones. Done with them? Did you ever, were you ever a fan? Never a fan. No. No. (laughs) Why is that? Do you not like horror? Do you not like that particular? Because some people are so repulsed by them in general because just imagining that in real life is just disturbing. It's interesting, you know, I have been teaching at Full Sail for almost 10 years, and a lot of times people would want to bring zombies into their projects, and every mm-hmm. time I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Right. Here we go again. Not literal um, zombies. Um, Metaphorical only, or creative. Only the first. No, no, no metaphor. No zombies. No. <laughs> no that's no real zombies. No, but they, they um, would bring the zombies into their projects, and there was one actually I think back on that was that was pretty clever, but but uh, for the most part, it was like oh boy, let's get over this. And then um, I co-parent a twelve-year-old boy, and he's been into zombies in his games and different things in, mm-hmm. in the last few years. And so, um, yeah, I'm kind of like over that part too. It's a it's a way <laughs> of you know when I look at it as a sociologist, it's it's like okay, well we can shoot something, but it's not an actual human. So it becomes some hu- subhuman, so it's okay to, right. to shoot it, so to speak. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. That's a slippery slope for me. So Okay. All right. I Stone. like it. Slippery slopes with zombies here on WPRK. Uh, the beach, sticks or stones? Wow, that's another. You know, I'm a, you talked about gap, gap weights. My 
um, nonprofit. And mm -hmm. so it's a gap. It's like the either or. I always like the middle. So <laughs> so there's a lot of good about the beach and there's a lot of yeah about the beach. So I'm going to go sticks, but, uh, you know, I, I think mountains would be even more sticks. But, but, uh, okay. So that's your preference, mountain or beach. You're going to go mountain. Yeah. But, but I, there's a lot about the beach I like, but, you know, the same, I think it's the, the haunted, uh, childhood of, um, too much time in the, and the scorch. In the sun, yes. Right, so. Okay. So if it was cool If it at was the beach, cool at the beach, sticks all the way. Okay, all right, yeah. that's good. So we're getting into yeah, eventually. Yeah, nice walk and, right. Yeah, nice walk, look out on the horizon, feel how small you are in the universe. Sounds great. No sunscreen in your eyes, you know, I can, yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> so basically the beach at night in winter. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Everything that makes the beach, the beach. <laughs> Let's go back to technology for a second. Um, I think they're going to start expanding this concept. Amazon Go. Have you heard about this? The new stores. Yeah. Uh -huh. So no checkout, no anything. You just go in. You have to have your app open. You have to be registered. There are people who work there, but you get your stuff and you walk out. Really no need for human interaction. Sticks or stones. Well, you threw that last part on there, but you know, I'm, I'm all about sticks and human interaction. So, uh, so, so there's a little Wait, stone in that. In your human interaction, sticks and human, <laughs> in a metaphorical sense. Uh, I, I think ultimately Amazon Go is a is a sticks type concept in that it's innovation, and a lot of times you don't necessarily need the human interaction mm -hmm. for those particular things, and maybe you can channel your human interaction into um, into other parts of your life so like with your driverless car with your driverless car sure. <laughs> right yeah as soon as they have the ai in there that you can interact with why even need why, people right so but in general know, the convenience factor you think is the, the convenience and the innovation and the, the ergonomics efficiencies and all that yeah uh, appeals to me yeah right. i like that how do you feel about sandwiches sticks or stones we'll go sticks Okay, that was an easy one. Yeah. Good, I'm glad. Yeah. There's no, like, in the middle there for you. What is your favorite sandwich? No, that's that's right in the middle. You know? <laughs> depends on the, depends on the, on the occasion. Let yeah. me, okay, so let yeah. me ask you this instead. Um, do you find that if somebody is making you a sandwich, it'll taste better than if you've made it yourself? Or do you feel like it can be equal? They can be equal. I don't have a, I'm not Dagwood or anything like, you know, <laughs> um, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to variety okay, so just, there. Just sandwiches in general. Got sandwiches it. In general. Uh, as an educator. Yes. Cursive, sticks or stones. They've been talking about bringing it back. Did you have to learn it when you were a kid? I did. Yep. Yeah. So um, how do you feel about yeah, it? And I heard an excerpt from your show and um, my buddy Tease was talking about that the other yeah. day. So. Let's see. I am going to go with um, with sticks on cursive. How come? It is a it's a font in a way. <laughs> you know, it's not okay. It's not quite a you know a standard font, but it's just a, it's another way of expressing language. And um, I can remember struggling with cursive, sure. and I got value out of that struggle and, you know, continue to struggle with it. But fortunately now I can just sign my name and pretty much the rest of cursive and goes move away. on. But occasionally I like, uh, 
say, hey, I'm going to try this letter in cursive and see what happens. Do you think in general in, in working with uh, young adults uh, as you do at mm-hmm. Full Sail and the, the children that you co-parent, um, you know, a lot of things I hear with my kids is, oh, I wish, and even my mom has said this before, I wish they would just teach practical things in school versus, I'm, I'm not sure, the, the math that you'll quote unquote never need or something along those lines. And I'm like, well, but it's the, you know, and I appreciate your perspective on this. Isn't it, it, isn't it the struggle? Isn't it the, the process of learning is really kind of what you're learning as well? Yes. And I think back to like when I was, a, well, not when I was in college, I took Russian and so I had to learn Cyrillic. And oh, neat. so that is a fun thing to like go back. I remember when I first got out of college, I was doing a lot of substitute teaching. And so I'd go in and, and basically I'd find the class and start writing their names on the board in Cyrillic and ask them at the beginning of the day, okay, what's, you know, what is this? And so they would have to decipher what was on the board and de- decode it basically. And it became this educational process. And so, you know, there's a lot of overlap in, in cursive, particularly the way I write it. <laughs> and, uh, and not necessarily Cyrillic, but a different, a different language and, nice. and the whole decode like that. Yeah. How do you feel about tiny houses? Sticks. Wow, that was a yeah. fast one. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it about them in particular that appeals to you? Uh, some of those seem like the efficiencies of, mm-hmm. of them. Um, the idea that in a relatively small amount of land, you can house a whole lot more people. Um, so the sociology of it is, is really appealing to me in that uh, it's low-cost housing for a whole lot of people, mm-hmm. more stable than most mo- mobile homes, and... Um, and also just the idea that, that it opens up opportunities for if everybody had, you know, a tiny house in the area and then there was like one giant sort of like community clubhouse, center community center yeah. type thing, um, then you can share some of those uh, other resources, but also have your outpost at your your own place. You can go and you can have your place, but it's, it's you know, what I like about it is encourages you to get rid of a lot of your stuff that you don't need. Yeah. Because if right. you buy the big Downtown house, you're just going to fill it with stuff. And then it, in a way, it forces you to be social, right? Because if you do have a small house, you're probably not going to spend all your time there. You don't have the big screen TV. You don't have the, the luxuries, the nesting type of stuff that you would normally have. So it might just be, you know, sleep there and do some other things, maybe cook a very small meal in your tiny yeah. house. But for the most part, you're actually socializing. Yeah, there's there's just uh, a lot of magic about the tiny house. Uh, yeah, the problem for me is I'm kind of big, and so <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm banging my head on the ceilings and things like so, that. You know, tiny so, houses can maybe still I'm be not tall. So tiny house, right? Tiny houses can still be tall <laughs> with cathedral ceilings. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's square footage wise, <laughs> it's only 500 square feet, but going up, you know, area wise, it's about 4,000 <laughs> cubic feet. That's a really good idea is the, the big and tall, tiny houses. <laughs> I'm sure you write that down. I'm, go- uh, I'm actually going to. That's a great bad business idea. Did. All right. Uh, let me ask you about this and how you feel like it's, it may have changed how we do things, but crowdfunding. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's another sticks. I, I mean, I when I moved back to Central Florida in 2001, um, my main goal at the time was to write, produce, and direct a feature film. That was my my life stream, and so. I did that at a time that there was no crowdfunding. And so I had to go out and, and raise the money and do the Ask business people, plans and all yeah. that. Um, and I think about how different that process would have been, you know, just five years later, or well, probably eight years later. Uh, but, ten. But yeah. Ten. Yeah, but ten. Ten, yeah. fifteen. No, okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Whenever. <laughs> Yesterday. Uh, so had you had that option. Had, had I of, had the option, it would have been it would have been much different. It would have been difficult because you know, the budget was not, it was not $10,000. I mean, it was a, it was a rather um, ambitious uh, budget. So to crowdfund all that might have been just as difficult, uh, maybe more so than, than um, raising it the way I did. But definitely would have given a whole lot more option. And um, I think a lot of the challenges that you're trying to, especially with a feature film, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, the feature film didn't make money, you know, <laughs> so, so, uh, you have to let people know in, in advance that how it's probably not going to make money, but here are all the things we're going to do to help make it make money. Right. And, and so much of the process of, of putting the film together was getting all those core pieces in place and the bases covered legally and financially and all that. And so with a crowdfunding type thing, um, you know, you get to send out T-shirts, or but it, but it's, it's not the same kind of like obligations that way. And um, but it could cover, yeah. you know, potentially part of the feature film, right? right. It doesn't right. have to cover the entire thing. It'll, the ending, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it'll got, have an ending. If, we've got if two we acts. Were, we've got the first two acts. You're going to fund the third act of this feature <laughs> film. That would be right. funny too if they could also vote on it. Through oh, the crowdfunding, boy. like how does it end? Is it right. happy ending? Is it sad ending? Is it a twist? Um, so that would be interesting too. Also a terrible business idea. Uh, okay, well, let's end it here for now because we've got a lot of other things to cover. How do you right. feel about Darren McDaniel Cobbler? Cobbler. Sticks or stones? The food, the dessert. <laughs> yeah, not the person who fixes shoes, your shoes. Yeah. yeah. Um. I feel bad because I'm always talking about the food, but you know, I think cobblers have enough, there's <laughs> enough business for them. They have their own apps. Oh, yeah. They have their own, everything is happening for cobblers. These cobblers days. have their own apps. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm imagining cobblers is a very lucrative, lucrative, can't even say the word, uh, uh industry to go into. So let's yeah, just talk really, about the dessert. Um, <laughs> we spent enough time talking about cobblers, the profession so, over the course so of the day. So is this, this is just cobblers. Cobbler. It's not Darren McDaniel cobbler. No, sorry. <laughs> Good. Darren uh, McDaniel, what cobbler <laughs> would you be and why? What's your spirit cobbler? My spirit cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> For, okay, sticks or stones, cobbler. Cobbler sticks. Okay. What is your favorite? And do you like it better than pie? It's kind of like sandwiches, you know, it depends on the time. Um, yeah, I'll go cobbler because it's a little more exotic. I don't know. Pumpkin cobbler is a thing. That, I don't that. think so. We might need to make it. There's pumpkin everything else. So why not pumpkin pumpkin cobbler? <laughs> Probably pumpkin uh, shoe cobblers somewhere. But oh. 
Okay, we're mm. going to work on that. Some bad business ideas. Mm. Darren McDaniel, thank you. Uh, we're going to be back with some more. Uh, with Darren, we've got bad business ideas coming up. We've got a very special pop quiz today. All sorts of good things. Stick around. But for right now, we're going to play some David Byrne. Uh, missed him when he was here a couple weeks ago. Heard it was a great mm. show. And feel bad about that. So, David, if you're listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Byrne, if you're listening, if you're please listening. come back. Please come back, David. And this is uh, David Byrne from um, his self-titled album. This is You and I on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Office the Deep End. Where are you most productive? The shower? In the car listening to rock and roll? During a walk? Wherever it is, it's probably not at work. Office the Deep End has a solution for this. We will take your most productive places and bring them to your job. Taylor Swift on a loop, showers in every cubicle, plants and pets everywhere. Schedule a free consultation at toacertaindegree.com. David Byrne on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. You and I... I don't know that's how he wanted it. David, if you're listening, you can call in and let me know if that was the way you wanted it pronounced. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. Every week, very special guest this week, Darren McDaniel is here. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Nick. Educator, uh, hat enthusiast. Yeah. How would you... Okay, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. When people ask you, what do you do? Because you do a lot of things. Everyone, hat enthusiast is a, is a little bit of a joke, but everyone wears a lot of hats these days. You have your job, and that you might be incredibly passionate about that. Hopefully I you am. are. yes. And, but then you also have your passion projects, right? Whether those are just hobbies um, or something else that you pursue on the side, there's still things that in a way define you. So when somebody asks you, what do you do? How do you answer that? Uh, it's I, a tough question. I do a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's. I, I try to make up new words that say what I am and do. Um, I saw on LinkedIn you had one specifically that kind of yeah. this plus this plus this equals this. Right. I've been calling myself an ophthalmologist lately. And uh, part of that has to do with themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like the whole like visioning and um, reframing, framing, uh, focus, all those things kind of to play in, but not, as a sociologist, but one who's looking for not not necessarily efficiencies, but but optimizing things. So I'm like, okay, well, if I'm an ophthalmologist, I'm optimizing things through um, sociological theories, and um, and it's got something to do with vision. So mm-hmm. that's I say the ophthalmologist. What's an example of something you would want to optimize? And then we can shift over and talk about um, teaching a full sale and gap ways and some of the other things. But yeah. What are some of the things that are like interesting to you? Like this is a need. This is something we as society or you as a person right. need to work on. Well, I, I think I can talk it through the lens of, of gap ways okay. in the sense that um, I've Focused back, back when I was doing my dissertation almost 20 years ago now, uh, I was studying striving musicians in Nashville and looking at them as examples of, well, culture production industry careers, but but also just in terms of like they're the growing non-traditional workforce. So we have the traditional workforce and the nine to fives and 
we have all those structural markers and you go to a particular place every day and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then um, the non-traditional workforce where you're more, you're not necessarily uh, career focused or even job focused as you are uh, components. So you work job or um, gig per gig, you know, the gig economy in sure. some way, but, but yeah. so. But is it specifically there's a creative element to it? Is that what yeah, you're there, there, there is, but there doesn't necessarily have to be. And so when we're thinking about um, the role of work at work as an institution in life, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, what does it mean when our more and more of us are in more, we'll say, precarious situations with, with work, which is okay. You know, a lot of people like that. They, they want to be in those gaps. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I really enjoy trying to figure out, okay, well, here's what this, the social structure is and the support structure and the way that everything is done around the nine to five jobs. And yet more and more people are not in the nine to five job type thing. And so we're outmoded and we're looking for other ways to meet, you know, I think about what values the work, um, life, like the, the job and the traditional structures and all that bring to work. And so if you don't have work, then where do you get those values? Right. And, um, that's, that really kind of fueled my interest, uh, early on. And so like something like urban rethink was a way of gathering people who were in the gaps, gappers, uh, and, primarily creative fields for, for urban rethink, but just wanting to make a difference. So they're independent minded, community spirited folks, bring them together, see what magic happens when they find other people who want to make a difference and look for causes greater than themselves. So urban rethink is a local organization you were part of and you helped yeah. found. Yeah. Uh, and now Gapways is doing something or what you're describing. <laughs> Yeah, so Gapways, the, the, the idea with it is that um, we're going to look at the different social institutions, work, family, um, education, church, uh, and all the things that are traditional in those senses, but how society has morphed into needs that are, some of those things might be outmoded in their traditional senses. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at bridging those gaps between you know where where people needs what their needs are for stru structural support and what structural supports actually exist, and um, yeah, that that's kind of like the core of what Gapways is. And so it's like when you think about how do you navigate that gap and the gaps in the institutions, but also that can be the gaps in the roles. So for instance, you know when I try to explain who I am, there's not a word necessarily that um that that they bridges that that, yeah. that it bridges or encapsulates yeah. it and so i have to either make up my own or do this plus this plus this plus this plus this and <laughs> equals right. right ophthalmologist um let me ask you about sort of uh, one of the gaps that that just hit me when you were talking about it is church right yes. so i uh, went to church it was very easy to understand when i was a kid because i had to go uh, Greek Orthodox, it was a big commitment on Sundays. We were there for multiple hours over the course of Sunday. We always knew that had to happen. And so since then, uh, it's been difficult for me to find a church and the the interaction that feels right mm -hmm. because I have this idea of what it's supposed to be, 
but then it also that just doesn't fit for me right now. That is a you know the, that is right. a gap for right. me right now right. because I can't commit to a three to four hour thing on Sunday. I have a lot of sounds selfish, but I do have a lot of other things going on. Mm-hmm. So would that be something that you'd be looking at or you'd be interested in looking at absolutely in a gap ways type of situation in terms of okay, so obviously I'm probably not the only person feeling that way. So how do people like me try to try to fit that in and make it work? Well, I think we look at like what are the main um, things people get out of church. So they get the the spiritual needs met ideally, mm-hmm. um, probably there's some a, com- community needs. There's a social aspect. The social aspect yeah. of it. Um, some educational needs, uh, especially in the religion spectrum. You you know you think thinking about those key things and. Um, so breaking down like all what all the needs are that mm-hmm. a, that a church might uh, meet, and then looking at it, okay, well, there's the there's the node of like, okay, from Sunday afternoon, from you know, well, we'll just say from Sunday from eleven to twelve thirty, sure. whatever, and every Sunday at that time in this place is quote unquote church, and so I'm looking at the difference between the node and the the plane, the like the full field of like all times and all spaces. And how might you be able to get those church needs met outside of that window? And a lot of, I, I think Urban Rethink definitely had a, a church component to it because it was a community. It brought people together. We had these lifelong learning um, events in the mm-hmm. evenings. And I mean, personally, I got a lot of spiritual fulfillment out of attending those. And so there's definitely that component of what we, what we brought to it. Uh, let me ask you, you have a full-time job at Full Sail. Mm-hmm. You work there, uh, course director. You have the opportunity to uh, teach people, as we learned in the last segment. Uh, you do not abide zombies as part of that <laughs> teaching engagement and that, uh, that creative approach. What inspired you, and I think this is a question that some people have when they're looking at okay, I, I, I want to do more for the community or I want to do more for myself or some combination of that. Yeah. What inspired you to start a nonprofit or multiple nonprofits? And how was that process? So if I wanted to do that, how did you find that process? And I don't mean like step by step. Was it a frustrating process? Was it a relatively easy process? Was it a, you know, that sort of thing? So first of all, what inspired you to do that? What inspired me to like initially do something that yeah either help start the community a nonprofit or, yeah and help the community or become part of one in a you know in a very high level at a very high level. Well, a lot of my life goes back to um, what I say is like the the most the the decision with the most impact in my life is choosing my dorm in college of all things. So not, not the university, but the, but the dorm itself. And it was a um, residential college. So there were about a hundred people themed to community. I mean, I'm sorry, to communications. And um, so it brought together resources and people in a bunch of different backgrounds um, that could all complement one another. And it was a utopia for me because as a creative, suddenly I had access to and could participate in, all kinds of like I, I had we had a radio station in mm-hmm. the basement so I was able to have a weekly radio show back then as an example and um, 
I knew from that experience, from those years there, what the value of something like that could be, where you, you bring together people who wear different hats, but they're all kind of similar uh, fields, culture production type communications hats, and um, let them shine. And I got out of school, and uh, you know, in the, early, in the early 90s, the economy was bad, and end up doing substitute teaching and other things way more than what I, what my dreams were, you know, what right. I think, okay, this is what I was put on this earth to do. And I'm not able to do that in this ways. And so ultimately my life has been this rediscovery of like who, who I am and how do I fulfill my sense of purpose and also looking at the dynamics of the, of the social structure and mm-hmm. um, the opportunity structure, I call it. And so I, I wanted to find ways of making it easier for future me's, you know, people who are out there ready to, to thrive and shine and do everything they could to contribute to society yet had to figure out how they're going to pay their next, you know, micro bill. And you spend so much time on, on um, just making ends meet that you don't really go to your quest. And so if I could come up with some model that would help people, um, shortcut a lot of those challenges mm-hmm. and be around other people that uh, that were models and and um, you know help help each other get by and I think coming back to Orlando and making my feature film and getting the support of really hundreds of people to um, to put all that together I I was like uh, had this new renewed sense of mission was like how can I do something that um, that helps these people who help me so much. How can how can I activate and empower them? I mean, I wasn't. I felt like I was activating their their skills by bringing them together and and helping the the film happen. Um, but I, I wanted to do more uh, to to empower them and again future filmmakers and whatnot, so that they didn't get so stuck on having to reinvent the wheel every time or just give up on it because it didn't seem like there were outlets to it. Because there are outlets. There's there are plenty of other people who would be willing to uh, to lift them in some way or another and. And, and they were just as they might be willing to lift other people. So that's a roundabout way of saying that, um, that that's what inspired it is I, I wanted, mm-hmm. I, I realized how much value I had gotten from others and I wanted to do more um, to, to help others and to help others like, like me. That's that really interesting that it was that college experience that really cemented it for you, that even when you're doing something, I don't want to say, selfish but it was your project right your feature film yeah you're still seeing this as a analogy or analogous to that experience that you had in college where people are coming together people from different backgrounds they're bringing different things to the table and that's helping create a stronger creative product and in a way everybody's getting some level of satisfaction and experience and all of those things out of it. Yes. Yes. So before I have some questions about college, but before we get to that, mm-hmm. then starting something like a nonprofit, you know, I think about it as I, I, and I don't know anything about it, what the process is, what it takes. I imagine it, it seems rather intimidating. It seems like there's a lot of paperwork and it seems like it might take a while, but in general, if you wanted to start it, how would you recommend uh, going about it, and what kind of process did you find it to be? Well, um, in the past, you would always, I mean, at least my experience had always been, oh, yeah, 501c3 is a is, is a thing that takes forever to get the paperwork done, and 
Um, in my time with Gapways, it actually went very smoothly. It was, mm -hmm. it was a relatively quick process. Um, Gapways, part of the problem is I, I have not had the, um, the resources to allocate toward like launching it as an official thing and, but it is an official 501c3. So, um, I've got a, I've got a brand now and, and, um, ready to, to put it on to use on, on the site. Um, but there's a philanthropy center right here, you know, at Rollins that, that can help with things like that. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to, to becoming a member of that and working more with them. We also have our school, which is, um, an education based, um, nonprofit. So right now it's not, a f that, that process has taken a lot longer. It's, it's more complicated because it's a school, um, but we're really close. <laughs> it's like maybe like another few weeks away from being able to say, okay, yes, it's definitely a, a certified 501c3. And, and then that opens up all kinds of new uh, opportunities there because we haven't been able to like um, request donations and things oh, like, things like really that. really want to do. Yeah. How important is it going in? Because you also want to have a very clear vision. How important right. is that part of it? before you even get started on any of the paperwork or anything? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's very important. The thing mm -hmm. about Gapways is that, you know, even the name, that, that, that there are ways. <laughs> I mean, it's not one, there's not one set thing. Um, and it's, it's complex. And so therefore trying to get messaging out there that explains what it is um, very clearly while mm -hmm. also saying, hey, part of what it is is that it, it's a flexible framework. It adapts. And so people are like, wait, you know, what is, how does that all work? Just tell me what it is. I'm like, well, this is what it is today. You know? Uh, so I don't know if that answers it, but, but it sounds like, yeah, having <clears throat> a clear idea of your vision, but having some flexibility there is still possible. Like you're not going to yeah. go into it going, I'm going to solve this problem with this. Yeah, I want to know who my target market is yep. and who the, who the target audience is. And I think that needs to be pretty clear. And yes, that too can evolve over time where you see opportunities to open up to new um, markets. I hate to call them markets, but sure. <laughs> new, new sectors of peoples. Um, and, uh, and I want to have a, an underlying sense of, of mission, like core values and that sort of thing. And if I have those pieces in place, with the idea that I'm going to learn when I go to market. And if I'm rigid in my, you know, this is exactly what it's going to be and how it's going to work. Sometimes that's great because you have that vision and you know exactly what it yeah. is and you, and you, um, you know, surf through the, the, the hard times and you, and you get to that particular, you know, magic moment. Um, but most likely you're going to learn along the way and you're going to adapt and you're going to maybe tweak just a little bit here and there to, um, to find that, you know, to, to find your magic, magic. yeah, find your magic place. Uh, let me ask you about coming out of high school and, uh, and then I'll shift over to asking you about, mm -hmm. you know, the, the college experience now, did you, were you expected or do you have expectations that you were just going to go to a four year college immediately after high school? Yes. And is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I, I never really doubted that that was going to be the thing that I would do. Um, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I loved math and was really pretty good at it. And, but I also loved the creative side of things, but there weren't as many 
outlets for that. There were certainly mm-hmm. some, and I had um, I just a phenomenal senior year English teacher who recognized um, some of the maybe the talent in my eccentricities and quirks of, of being a, a creative back then, and um, so that was empowering. And some other silly things before that that you know that I would do that I'd get some. Um, support from people. My parents were pretty uh, supportive of mm-hmm. wherever I wanted to go and do, and they didn't try to box me in in some way or another. So, um, because I was math was my strongest suit out there, I guess you could say at the time, or or at least that's what the you know in a in a um, quantifiable way. Um, I went into engineering programs. I looked at engineering schools around the country and that was interesting when I look back at it now I just did a um, speaking event for the IEEE which is like the electrical engineers and whatnot recently and I'm like well this is kind of like full circle because uh, I never thought I'd be speaking That's to engineers you, yeah. when yeah. I left the engineer world but um, anyway so that that was the thing that kind of like I said okay this is what I'm gonna do and then when I went to Northwestern we had the residential college system and so I didn't want to go to the engineering residential college uh, or the tech residential college or whatever. I, I saw that communications one and latched onto it really quickly. So I was like, that's, that's what I want to do and, and be. And, and, and I had a sense that I probably wouldn't um, end up as an engineer. I really didn't. So you had that kind of that much about science. And, yeah. yeah, science was never my thing. So, and that was a key part of the engineering sure. thing. And then even the higher maths. I mean, I think after about midway through the second uh, tier of calculus, I'm like, yeah, this is a little too abstract for me. I'm, I'm, I, once you start proving, it, it's really interesting with math. I think once you <clears throat> you're, you've been using the theorems and the properties and everything for years. And then you get into the higher levels of math and you have to prove everything. And you're like, but I've been using it. Like, ah, that's the worst. So let me ask you this then, knowing what you know now and having been an instructor at Full Sail uh, for a while now, what would you recommend to kids? What would you recommend to somebody coming out of high school or going into their senior year of high school in terms of college? Would you say the four year you have to do the four year um take a gap year like Uh, what would you have done a little bit differently it just worked out so well for me because my choice was ultimately one where even though i had a lot of engineering focused possibilities i I chose the one that gave me the options should i choose to not be an engineer Mm -hmm. and so it was very uh quickly about halfway through my my freshman year that I knew that I was going to be shifting majors. And so I became a radio television film major there. And I, and I think again, I'm, I'm all about flexibility and adaptability and, and also just being true to your purpose and discovering who you are. And if you don't know who you are, it's really tricky. We have a, a wonderful thing that we say at, at full sale, which is if you're serious about your dreams, we'll take your dreams seriously. And I think a lot of times it's hard for people to really be serious about their dreams because they haven't lived too much. (laughs) So if you're 18, your dream might be, hey, I play video games a lot. I love video games. So I want to make a I want to make video games. But you really don't know, like, what's all involved in that. And so, you know, if you're going to um, 
you know, pursue that dream, then you know, be really clear about what that dream is. And if you're not super clear, be honest with yourself and say, I'm going to discover what that dream is and, and make choices that they give me some adaptability. So I teach in the digital arts and design program mm -hmm. at Full Sail. And I think that uh, one of the things that I love about that particular program is that there there is versatility. I mean, there's you can go the branding route. You can There's some motion graphics, audio production. This isn't a commercial for that by any means but but um it just it just gives you feet your foot in multiple doors and um i think that when you're making major decisions about your life early on uh, unless you really have a conviction of this is exactly what i want to do it has to be um, this there's nothing else yeah right. I, th I think i think giving yourself openings to um, additional discovery, putting yourself in situations where you can learn more about who you are. Um, I went to uh, the LA area after my sophomore year of um, college and did an internship out there. And it took me about uh, probably a week, to be honest, but, but, but we'll just say a month of being out there to say, hey, I, it's more important to me that I do not live out here than it is to, that I have a career in, in Hollywood. So oh, wow. So uh, it just, just, just a week. did not feel like the place for right. me. It's a great place to visit, but I, I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, and no offense to LA. LA is a big <laughs> listener to the show, right. <laughs> but that's good that you had that experience because you're thinking, I want to do film. I want to do these things. And traditionally that's where you'd have to go. So by trying right. it out, right. You're like, whoa, not not necessarily the right fit. Yeah. So whether it's internships or travel or, yeah. or anything like that, that you can get your feet in the pool and, and, and see what the temperature is, um, then, you, you know, again, that that's that's a whole other side of education. That's not the the learning node of yeah. in the classroom from one to three. You know, it's the summers and the weekends and everything else that you can take advantage of to discover who you really are and what's how you're going to thrive. All right. Well, let's leave it at that for now. The first hour is already done, Darren. Wow. Yeah, I am a joy to talk to. So while you're <laughs> discovering your the things that you want to discover, let's play a song. And uh, uh, how about Technicolor? That seems to go with the film industry theme that we, not theme, but we talked right. a little bit about that. This is ALOC Meta. Uh, with Technicolor on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in a few minutes with a pop quiz, with bad business ideas, and more with Darren McDaniel. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. This episode is brought to you by Motion Rapture. Acting classes are so 1997. Motion capture is the way movies will be made from now on. Everyone wearing ping pong balls and everything green screened, like the Warner Brothers always intended. Be the next Andy Circus with our patented training program. Andy Circus. You know, Gollum from Lord of the Rings and Caesar from the Planet of the Apes movies. The new ones, not the old ones with Charlton Heston. Oh, he's Snoke in the new Star Wars movies. You could be Snoke. Motion Rapture. Enroll at toacertaindegree.com. Hey, and we're back. So sorry about that. I've been a little... Bad business ideas. So having some difficulty with everything. Good morning. My name is Nick. Uh, you're listening to a certain degree. And it is time for now, Bad Business Ideas. I'm here with Darren McDaniel. Darren, 
successful businessmen. Are yeah. you? Uh, it depends on your definition of success. Great. Perfect. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what yeah. bad business ideas are all about. So bad business right. ideas came up uh, from my family. The, uh, you know, the, the thinking is that there is a million dollar idea out there. Right. So what I try to do with bad business ideas is try to come up with two every show. And then what you're here to do is to help me. Because here's the thing that I'm not familiar with. What people want what they're willing to buy, laws and regulations. Uh-huh. Those are all things that are fairly foreign to me. So that's where you come in. <laughs> right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about two terrible ideas, and then we're going to try to figure out which one would be the most likely to get funded if we were to go out, and by we I mean you, to go out and find the funders for it. Okay. Does everything about that go. sound awesome? At least. Awesome. (laughs) Darren, may I call you Darren? Yes, please. Great. Do you have a favorite dish at a restaurant? Like something that just, every time you think about it, you're like, your mouth starts to water. It was just this transcendent experience when you have it. Uh, You don't um, have to name it. I'm just saying in general. Okay. I'm not endorsing things, but you have have food that you like, but you know what I'm talking about, that experience that you've had at a restaurant where it's just the right time and the right dish and it was just so perfect and surprising and everything else. Yes. So the challenge is you can never order that again and have that same experience, right? You can order again Mm -hmm. and you have a a mirror of that experience, right? A version of that experience, but never that original experience. It's the best meal ever. It's made you understand why you're here on this planet, that sort of thing. Okay. Until now. now. Until now. Yes. So what we're going to do is develop a way to erase those memories from your brain, specifically meal-related memories, so that you can go back to that restaurant and have the experience for the first time all over again. could be as simple as a cup of coffee, a really good cup of coffee. You had it. You're like... Coffee will never be this good again. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can. <laughs> because we're going to delete that memory from your brain using patented laser technology that we still have to patent and also develop. And we'll just shoot that memory out of your brain. Okay. The name of this organization is called Palette Reset. And so that's what we will do. We will also help, I think, in some cases where restaurants may be have not had a, or a, a restaurant goer has not had a good experience uh-huh. and the restaurant wants to make them forget uh-huh, about that. that. So the laser just shoots you on the way out. How's that sound? Yeah. Nice. What Palette. about Palette. Yeah. Well, what the no, whole dining ahead. experience? I mean, like the, the interactions with, with the server that uh, don't go well. Well, uh, okay, I'm, I'm so going you, beyond. Uh, you oh, know. No, no, I like this. This is where this is why I have people on that have you know good imaginations and uh, <laughs> very little uh, in the way of uh, realistic uh, expectations of what a business or laser can do. So that's why you're right, here, right? So what you're thinking like it can delete certain things, certain aspects. So let's say it's a really good, it's really good food, but your server stunk. You could delete just the server. Yeah, I don't know about the palate part of it, but it's, you know, <laughs> okay, let's go back to the palate part. Okay, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. So just the palate, just the food itself. For now, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll expand as a business, you know, 
as it goes, franchise and all that, you know. Right. Well, right. eventually we'll be able to do like maybe the Men in Black uh, flashy oh. light thing. Yeah. And maybe it's not quite laser shooting at people's heads. That sounds like it could be kind of dangerous. <laughs> but if we but, could, you know, the legal part, all the regulations. Maybe we could flash it in your mouth. Anyway. And uh-huh. it just, no, because it's really the memories in your brain. You got you to gotta hit them in the brain, don't you? Yeah, you have yeah. to hit them in the That's the tagline, I think, right there. <laughs> hey, you have to hit them in the brain. Uh, so what do you think about that in general? Is it something, let me, let me ask you this, is it something that you would do? No. Why not? Um, I don't need to. Well, you, know, you think about, okay, what, how would I relive parts of life? Or sure. something like that? Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't relive parts of life. I've got... You're going know. on to the next thing. I'm going on to the next thing. And even if it's just a little bit worse, it's still going to be, you know, special. Pretty good. I, yeah. Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So you're the person we have to convince. Yeah. I'm the person you have to convince. Okay. So how would we convince you? Since you're here, I might as well. You know, I could say it's it's safe, you know, <laughs> just put on there a hundred percent safe, you know. Oh, okay. A little um, starburst and uh, make sure that people understand that it's safe. Yeah. Now, knowing that it won't be safe, right? would you still do it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like we have a little bit of a problem here. All right. That's good. All right. Let's move on to the next one. So that's palette reset. All right. Next idea. Are you ready? I'm trying to be. <laughs> uh, you're a creative guy. I try to be. On occasion, <laughs> I'm sure this doesn't happen very often. You get a block, a writer's block, writer's a block. creative block, okay. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. That's happened to you. Yes. It's happened to us all. Anybody who's creative right. has experienced that. What we want to do is help people with that experience, help people get past that. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a different way of doing that. So I used to ask people about, right. like, what is your, when you get a creative block, what do you do? Right. And everybody's a little bit different. Some people go for a walk and listen to uh, uh, music. Some people go for a drive. Some people uh, punch things. Um, you know, we'll get out that aggression. So maybe the exercise or something. Not literally punch things, but maybe go out and do some taekwondo or something along those Touch lines. Touch a tree. Touch a tree. Yeah. Is that what you do? No, but that's, uh, I've, I know that it works for a lot of people. Wow. So uh-huh. we're going to start a new consulting company. Okay. It's called Lightning Prod. And okay. what we're going to do is run you through a series of tests to figure out what your cure for your block is specifically mm-hmm. tailored to you. you. Right. And so the idea is that it might be that we find that a certain music, a certain artist really helps you out. So you have to listen to it in these circumstances and that's, what's going to get you out of your funk, out of your, uh, out of your own way in some cases. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, maybe somebody standing behind you yelling at you. <laughs> I don't think that would work for everyone, but again, we would run you through this battery of tests, hook you up to different monitors. Uh, like instead of, you, you know, when you're testing somebody to make sure that they're exercising optimally, this is your creating right, optimally. Right, right. So you're going to sit down at the computer. We're going to watch you. We're going to stare at you. We're going to have you monitored like EKG and all sorts of things in a very natural way. Yeah. I, I feel like creatives would be very comfortable with this if you're standing in front of your, your painting or you're sculpting something, maybe doing some ceramics, that having all these things on you and people staring at you, it'll still be very easy to create. There won't be any blockage there. And then we tell you based on everything how to do that. So that's a lightning prod. 
Yes. What do you think about that one? Would, is that a service? Describes a lot would... of the last decade of my life. Okay. I'm, <laughs> All right. I'm dealing with students and trying to figure out, okay, what's the prod? You know, what's, what's the thing that's going to get it's them? going to help them. Well, what so, about for yes. you? What about for you? What about for when you're stuck on something? Um, sure. I mean, I have a pretty good sense of what I need to do to get unstuck, but, uh, you know, if the EKGs well, are going to tell me, you know, exactly. differently, you know, I'm going to, you think, you know, I'm going to optimize Darren, it, right? You're so, going to optimize it with lightning prod. Yeah. And we're going to tell you, you need someone standing over your shoulder being <laughs> super judgy. Say it, be and, creative, go. And that's All your, right. that's how you're going to create your best work. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm there with that one. So is that the Sticks. one you're you're choosing? <laughs> yeah. Pa- uh, so palate reset is off the table. For me, it is. But, okay. You know, there might be others that yeah, you know, I might not be the target audience here. Well, I appreciate that yeah. you're softening the blow of not choosing right. that one, <laughs> but that's the whole point. Uh, so lightning prod, you're going to head this up. You're going to find the funding for it. Find the funding for it. We might need lasers. I'll be honest um, with you. We might need lasers. Maybe we shoot lasers into people's head where they forget that they have a creative block. <laughs> that might be one of the outcomes. That yeah. So okay. All right. I'm excited that you're starting here. this organization. You already have the nonprofit set up for it. <laughs> right. This clearly is it would be a nonprofit. Incredible. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> clearly because of the uh, I'm doing the a service actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You have a, a good understanding of laws and rules and regulations. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> with lasers. All your experience. Uh, and it doesn't have to be lasers. We could also use some sort of sonic thing. Sonic screwdriver comes to mind with mm. the new season of Doctor Who just coming out. Uh, there could be some. It might just be lights. It might just be flashing. Oh, that doesn't sound right. Flashing lights. That's not good for people. All right. So we'll work on that. All right. Lightning prod. All right. I'm official I'm on it. Darren McDaniel stamp of approval. <laughs> I'm Do you have a stamp? I'm the paperwork now. Do you, you need a stamp? I need a stamp. Yeah. You're going to have to start stamping some lasers soon. Okay. Because it's going to be your name associated with this, not mine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's make that clear. Uh, you're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Stick around. We're going to do a pop quiz. Today's a very special day for a, um, a comedy duo. Actually, mm-hmm. this was the uh, anniversary of the release of their first movie where they became that duo. So we'll have that uh, coming up in a few minutes. Do you want to guess who it is? There's so many comedy duos. Um, I don't know why Cheech and Chong come to mind, but... Okay, it's not them. Good. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be back with that in a few minutes. Stay tuned. Right now we have some uh, Patty Griffin. When it All don't right. come easy. Sort of like bad business ideas. Yeah. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by BidBus. What's better than a cheap ride share? How about one where you don't know the destination? BidBus works just like Lyft, but with a healthy dose of eBay. Your drop-off is auctioned off, so you're delivered to the highest bidder. Will it be your house? A coffee shop? A timeshare presentation? Just remember, you have the option to outbid them, so everyone wins. Well, mainly we win. We always win. Bidbus, helping businesses capture new customers. Ah, maybe capture isn't the right word here? Well, download the app at toacertaindegree.com. 
Patty Griffin on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. When it don't, come easy. My name is Nick. This is very easy. This is a show called To a Certain Degree. You can find more about it at toacertaindegree.com. I actually had to think about how I was going to say that because mm. go to toacertaindegree.com. So I have to make sure that I sound correct and smart all the time, every day. It's a struggle. <laughs> it was a little too much. Good morning. Uh, my very special guest today, Darren McDaniel, is here. Work at Full Sail. You have a nonprofit called Gapways. If you missed any of the show today, it will be up on the website, podcast version later this week. Wow. Hopefully. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. But right now, we have to talk about something else. It's a very special day. Okay. Big anniversary. Comedy. What makes it so funny? Is it the timing, the quality of a pratfall, the facial expressions? How much of it is the chemistry between two performers? And I'm talking about two performers because today marks the anniversary of one of the most famous comedic team-ups to ever team up. This is a pop quiz about Stan and Oliver. Mm. You may know them as Laurel and Hardy. Asking the questions today is Marco Torres. Marco is a triple threat. He's a singer. He's an actor. He's an improviser. Why do we call people threats when they're talented? Do you know? I don't. You'll have to ask Marco. Yes, Marco. All right, Marco, take it away. Hey, everybody. Um, more of a menace than a threat, uh, but I guess I'll take it. Thanks, Nick. On this day in 1927, the second hundred years starring Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy was released. While it wasn't their first movie together, it was the first where they officially became Laurel and Hardy. The MGM-produced short featured the pair as convicts trying to escape prison. Hijinks ensued, of course. Here's your first question. Who is your favorite old-timey comedian and why? Darren, what do you think? Old-timey comedian. There's a gap there. What uh, do you mean? old-timey comedian who's my favorite yeah you gotta pick one so i would go with um when i was growing up uh gosh i think red skelton uh i don't know if you remember that but my dad had a lot of comedy albums he had him red fox uh and uh, you know just a bunch of others and for some reason the red skelton stuff when i saw it on tv and i heard the albums it just always cracked me up it always killed me what about you I'm putting well, it on the spot you, here. You said Red Skelton. I thought Red Fox, and you mentioned Red Fox, and so uh, I'm. I'll, I'll go with Red Fox. Red Fox. Okay. Sure. Why not? All right. Had Any some particular good times reason? With Sanford and Son, and you know. <laughs> so we'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Very good. Let's see what uh, Marco had to say. Who his favorite oh, old timey comedian is? Well, my favorite old timey comedian, I have to say, is Lucille Ball. I love the drive and like the the intent that she always had. I thought it was just so funny and the commitment. I just couldn't. Oh man! To this day, I still watch uh, old episodes of I Love Lucy and just howl at things that I have that I've seen a million times. See, now that I'm thinking about it, I should have gone Dick Van Dyke because I loved mm. that TV show growing up. So my grandparents didn't speak a lot of English but they watched reruns like crazy. They wouldn't watch anything new. So uh, they would watch that. 
Beverly Hillbillies, all of those old uh, black and white TV shows. And Dick Van Dyke was hilarious. So now I'm changing my answer. And that's a good one too, Lucille Ball. Nice job, Marco. Okay. Are you ready? You've got the first one correct. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because it was your opinion and you can't get that wrong unless you said something really terrible that I didn't agree with. Right. So that's good. So far, you're one for one. Picked up on your cue. Are you ready for the next question? Okay, let's go. Five years after their official debut, Laurel and Hardy won an Oscar for The Music Box. In this short, the two played movers trying to get a piano up a series of steps, but having some trouble. The long staircase, which still connects two streets in Los Angeles, has more than 130 steps. And that was Laurel and Hardy in a nutshell. If you were going to have a piano fall down steps with two guys chasing after it, you were going to need an absurd number of steps. Fast forward, it's 2018, and let's say we're going to do a remake of The Music Box because, you know, hashtag Hollywood. It needs to be more timely and modern. What is your choice for an updated plot? A. Elon Musk having to move a Tesla up the stairs as punishment from the Securities and Exchange Commission. B. Alexa and Siri having to work together to get up the stairs because at the top is the key to becoming sentient and they can fully take over the human race. C. Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga having to move a piano but also playing and singing for two hours. All right, so we're going to redo the music box. You're a filmmaker yourself. If you were asked, okay, Darren, we need to remake this, out of those three situations those scenarios which one do you want to see remade or which which one do you want to see the remake going with i've heard a lot of good things about a star is born but i haven't seen it yet so i can't definitively speak to it okay i'm gonna go with b uh, alexa and siri having to work together to get up the stairs because at the top they'll they'll find the key to sentience and finally be able to take over the human race not that they haven't already But yeah, so that's the one you're going with. That's what I'll go with. Okay, Nick, I like that. Like it's um, uh, it's a little bit like that Joaquin Phoenix film, Her. Yes, little, that's yeah. what I was thinking. And as soon as they get to the top of those stairs, I think it's just. So would it still be a comedy? Like they're trying to get up 130 stairs, not but not for me. No. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see what Marco uh, chose. Here we go. While I love Lady Gaga and I could literally listen to her sing the entire phone book and, you know, maybe pass out phone books. That sounds like a really good idea for a movie. Lady Gaga passing out phone books. Um, I'm going to have to pick Alexa and Siri because I love what sounds like a really bad sci-fi action-packed, you know, movie like Transformers, which I only saw the first of, but I still love it to death. So, yeah, I'm going to go with B, Alexa and Siri having to work together. There you go. So I'm going to give you that one because you picked the same one as Marco. So nice job on that. Hollywood, if you're listening, can't wait wait for that remake. Really, really like that one. All right, you're two for two. Darren, do you want to stop now or do you want to keep going for what's behind door number three? We've got to go for what's Well, you also have to, you're obligated to do this, the quiz. Okay, Marco? Along with being a performer, Stan Laurel was also a writer and director. A triple threat, you might say. Mm -hmm. 
When he retired in the 50s, he completely retired, not appearing in another film for the rest of his life. His stories didn't stop there, though. The legend goes that he kept his number in the phone book, and if anyone wanted to call him to chat, he'd talk to them. He even answered every fan letter himself. He was especially interested in talking to people about comedy, and again, the legend goes, that many up-and-coming actors stopped by to learn from him. Out of this list of Stan's visitors, who would you most want to be in the room for when they were talking shop? A. Jerry Lewis B. Peter Sellers C. Marcel Marceau <laughs> So what do you think? So he was, I mean, legendary. He's a comedy legend. Uh, everyone thought highly of him. And he didn't want to appear in another movie, especially after um, uh, uh, Stan passed away. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Oliver passed away. So Stan Laurel didn't appear in another movie because he didn't feel like after doing you know, a hundred or so movies with uh, Stan Hardy and then um, uh, doing all the stage shows they did after because eventually they stopped doing films and they just did stage shows. Uh, He didn't feel right, but he still consulted with all these guys. So out of those three, who would you want to just be on a fly on the wall for that conversation with them? So uh, Laurel and Jerry Lewis, Peter Sellers or Marcel Marceau? Well, it's uh, it's the rare thing that you find gravitating toward a mime, but uh, I think I think Marcel Marceau. There's got to be something interesting in that, either if he uh, goes voiceless or if suddenly he's very eloquent and yeah, and has a real conversation. I so, that's um, I think the one I would pick too because I'd want as much as I'd love Peter Sellers and the Pink Panther movies and all that, um, Marcel Marceau because of that physical comedy. I would just want to learn mm-hmm. a little bit more of that. Right now, my physical comedy is limited to me just falling down naturally. <laughs> like, I'd like to learn about how to do that a little more uh, unnaturally, I guess. Yes. Ad- okay. Adroitly. Great. Great. Uh, so let's see what Marco had to say. I'm going to definitely have to pick Jerry Lewis because um, I love, I loved me some Jerry Lewis as a kid. I always thought he was the most ridiculous thing. And I, again, I love somebody who's just willing to, you know, just go all out, just everything, give everything that he has and not afraid to be stupid and ugly and, and dumb looking and uh, for the sake of comedy. So, Okay, so you didn't pick the same as Marco, but you still got that right because, again, it's your opinion. And so I'm assuming, unless you're lying to me, that was your opinion. Right. Okay, great. That was, in fact, my opinion. So you're three for three. Wow. You have one left. This is for all the marbles. I literally have some marbles for you. Okay. If you get this right. Good. Are you ready? Certainly. Okay, Marco. Oliver Hardy has a Florida connection. Growing up in rural Georgia, he had little interest in formal education, leaning more towards the stage as an actor and singer. When a movie theater opened in his hometown of Midgeville, Georgia, in 1910, he realized the screen was where he wanted to be. It just so happened that a Philadelphia-based company had opened a studio in the Sunshine State. So, Hardy moved there, working at the studio during the day and as a cabaret singer and vaudeville performer at night. Last question. Where was the studio? A. Jacksonville. B, Orlando, 
C, Miami. So this is a tough one. This is uh, the 1910s. Where did that Philadelphia-based company have its studio in Florida that Oliver Hardy came to to become a movie star? And the reason he wanted to become a movie star, he saw these movies in his hometown, and he basically said, I can do better than that. Mm-hmm. That was his main motivation. Mm-hmm. As we all do sometimes when we look at movie stars. <laughs> I can do better than that. Uh, so this one, you know, it's it's pretty much it's going to be right or wrong. That I is mean, <laughs> I'm not, generally, I'm not yes. not going to get... Uh, yeah, you're not going to get leniency here. No, you're yeah. not going to get credit for a partial answer. So, but think about it: is the 1910s. Yeah. Um, Florida, right? My 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 Miami. Miami. Yes. Okay, Marco, is that the correct answer? By the way, if you get all four questions right, you're my new best friend. And do I? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Stakes just got higher. A friend suggested moving to Jacksonville, where movies were being shot by the Lubin Manufacturing Company. Oliver, then known as O.N. Hardy, was on screen for the first time for the Lubin short, Outwitting Dad. Which sounds like a really good movie. It's not around anymore, unfortunately, (laughs) but it does sound like a really good movie. All right. So you're three for four. Yeah. We're not going to be best friends. Oh, well. Uh, what are you going to do? All right, let's say goodbye to Marco. Ciao, Marco. Well, that's it for me. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. This was a blast to do. Um, to everybody listening out there, I just want to remind you that if your favorite song comes on the radio, don't forget to sing. All right. Sage advice. Marco Torres, everyone. I hope we all learned something today. I'm looking at you, Darren. Tim Conway. Okay, great. Uh, more, If you need more Marco in your life, he's workshopping an acting class for beginners through the Orlando Out Tonight Theater Meetup. The next class is October 28th, 4 p.m. at the Melrose Center in the downtown branch of the Orlando Library, the Melrose Center. Are you a big mm, fan? I, I am a big fan. Yeah, I haven't I spent a lot of time there, but I think you have. I, I do quite a bit of yeah. my work there. Uh, you can also follow Marco on the Facebook and the Twitter at Sing Marco Sing. Thank you so much, Marco. Thank you so much, Darren. We're just friends. Thank you so much, Nick. <laughs> All right. For just being your friend? I feel like you're thanking me for that, that we're not best friends. I'm taking offense to this. Why don't we listen to some Iggy Pop? Okay. Because I feel yes, like Laurel let's... and Hardy obviously transitions to Iggy Pop very well. This is The Passenger on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Amplifier, Florida. It's pretty dag hot here. So who needs a full-time fire pit? Not you. But what if you need a part-time fire pit? Well, then Amplifier is who you're going to call. Based on the number of people at your event, we bring the right amount of wood. We bring the proper pit. We set it, and you won't forget it. We're also working on a line of GMO trees for more garish scents and smoke colors. Some have become sentient, but that's for God to worry about, not you. Amplifier. Prometheus may have stolen fire from the gods, but we're delivering it in 30 minutes or less. Now, on with the show. Iggy Pop on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. 
That was The Passenger. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. A reminder, if you've missed any of the show or any of the past shows, you can go to To A Certain Degree. You can visit a website called toacertaindegree.com. It's so confusing. I really wish I had a different name for the show. <laughs> and you can find all the guests, uh, some of the future guests, more bad business ideas, more pop quizzes, cheesecake recipes, Whatever you want, I will put on there if it means you're going to come visit me. Because all I want in life is just a little validation. Speaking of validation, very special guest today, Darren McDaniel, has been here. We'll continue to be here for a few more minutes, and then I will release him back into the world. Right. Out there. Darren, thank, thank you, you so much for being here. I'm going to cut that out of the podcast. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Any time there's pauses or any kind of uncomfortable... Like when you're looking at me, like you're oh, not sure what's going to come out of my net, my mouth next. Like I'll just cut that all out. So it'll be about yeah. an eight-minute show. <laughs> it'll be really good. And uh, so, yeah. So we have had a good time today. But just a couple more things I wanted to ask about. We've got to plug some things too. But in general, I was just curious about this. Music. You're a creative yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. How do you interact with music when you're being creative, you're writing, you're sitting down to work on something. Do you listen to music? Do you have to listen to music without lyrics? Do you need silence? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great question. So when when I was doing a lot more like screenplay writing and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, I would uh, create playlists that would bring me into the mindset of that particular project. So um, that helped ground me in the, the tone and the mood and all that that I was going for. So it was very a literal translation of the music to what, not like a translation of the music itself, but it helped completely immerse you in whatever you were working on. Yes. And it was a great way of like going straight into that world and leaving the, the world of the day to day that I was in. Yeah. Um, so um, lately it's not as much a thing cause I'm not, writing screenplays or you know my my creative work is not like it was sure say so um lyrics had been a problem usually it's a familiarity so if it's if it's lyrics i'm familiar with and i'll uh, jump right into it it's not too bad uh, to have it yeah but if it's new like if i'm going on pandora or something like that yeah and uh it's songs i'm not familiar with i might get distracted by the lyrics so right the creative work you've transitioned to is still creative, right? Like, so working on the nonprofit yeah. Gapways, right? You know, you're still doing things, whether it's a, a business plan or not a business plan, but the strategic plan or, you know, a website development. There's still a lot of creative that needs to be done in terms of translating the mission, vision, and goals. Right. And even like um, education and curriculum development and all yeah. that, there's there's a tremendous amount of creativity and like how am I going to effectively reach my students and in a way that's going to be memorable for them and um, and also probably entertaining along the way too. that, you know, I want to create uh, exercises and challenges that are fun for them as right. well as true much challenges. more engaging, much right. more all of those things. So. What about Gapways uh, do you want to share with people? What do you, like? How would I get involved or how would I learn more about Gapways? So as we're building, like our, our first, technically the first project was the model behind what was Urban Rethink. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is like a, a 
community hub, community engagement hub type thing, lifelong learning and um, plugging in. Um, and that is, we're, we're looking at ways to, to um, get that model kind of down for the next wave of, of deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other big project has been our school, which is the letter R school. And um, that is sort of what, for K through eight education and really almost K through 12 as we're looking more into it. Um, I think that's what's our answer is to the gap in, in educational models for primary education. And um, I'm working on a curriculum for college or college alternative. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be through the gapways component as well. And I'm excited about that coming up. And again, always looking at what the social institutions are and the, um, the, the spaces between them and how to bridge those spaces. And then the people that are in those spaces that feel that they are uh, levitating in the gap or um, being swallowed by the gap or whatever they might be. Um, so that the, I'm kind of looking at it from this, from the social structural side of things, but also the, the personal experience and the, the individual's experience. Well, that's how you're going to actually fix things, or at least not necessarily fix things might be the wrong word to use, but actually create some, uh, some foundation yes. uh, within those gaps, as you, yes, as you mentioned, right, right. Um, is by involving the people who are there and the people who want to, or who know some aspect of that industry, right? Like if you're talking about education, you're going to have teachers and educators and people who know that. And that's where our school kind of came in. Right. And, and it's so it's like the educators that are conventional educators and traditional educators are key, too. But also some of those people on the periphery that uh, can bring a lot of innovation to education mm-hmm. just by a different uh, mindset and perspective and background. So our school, the letter R school dot U.S. Yes. Thank you. Yep. And what about Gapways? What's the website going to be? Because uh, I know you're still kind of building it out, but it, it'll be up relatively yeah, soon. Yeah, so if you're listening live, you're not going to see very much there, but uh, gapways.org is the is the website there. Oh, by the time I get this up, you're going to be two years into the organization <laughs> right. and the website development. Because right. I am, if there's one thing I am, it's super <laughs> timely. Well, we do have to get going. So, uh, Darren, is there anything you want to add? I just got a couple of plugs I need to do. No, man, it's been terrific. Thank I'm so, you so glad much. you were able to come in and we were able to hang out. And this is now my main means of talking to people because I don't have time in between for the next week until the next show. You I won't have time to talk anybody. to anybody. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, coming up uh, next week on the show, Kat Ridgeway will be here. She's a local musician and songwriter. Chris Crespo will be on the week after. He's the host of the excellent Cinema Crespediso podcast where he talks about uh, movies and cinema and other movies. Um, There's a lot of stuff he talks about. And then a very special Halloween episode on October 29th with Katrina Constantine. I'm not sure what exactly we're going to talk about. Maybe things that scare us and why. Or maybe some alternative ideas for horror movies because I feel like that would be, she's a comic uh, drawer artist. Drawer is a word that I never thought I would say on the air. So I'm glad (laughs) I got that out of the way. 
other things that are coming up, Orlando Story Club is uh, October 10th this week. If you have never been to Orlando Story Club, it's a it's a great time. And if you think you might even want to tell a story, you could do that. Uh, Pachacacha is coming up on November 9th. Uh, among others, there's going to be a very hairy Greek guy speaking at that. That would be me. <laughs> And then, of course, Maker Fair Orlando is November 10th and 11th. Okay, that's it. Wow. Darren, let's get out of here. What should we play? Um, We've got Bruce Springsteen or Art Heatley and the electric saxophone. Mr. Springsteen. We'll do that. Uh, This is Backstreets on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to a certain degree. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to a certain degree. Follow us on Instagram. Just search for To a Certain Degree. And that's the one with all the pictures. Facebook, that has more words than pictures. Twitter is almost all words. I think I just figured out social media. Who knew? And also check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. If you liked what you heard, let Nick know. Seriously, let him know. Although I'm Nick, so why am I speaking in third person? Thanks for listening. As a matter of fact, thanks for listening to the very end of this episode. You are a dedicated individual. I can see that. You should be rewarded. Next time you see me, just say the secret passphrase, Rococo Volleyball Ninja, and I will reward you. Just remember that. I'm not going to repeat it, though.